Golden Spiral Media presents The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. Episode 6, The Rage of Caliban. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Tony Caselli. And I'm Joe Zettelmeyer. And welcome back to The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. Today... We're talking about that awesome show on NBC. You know you love it. You know you love it. Uh, what happened to that, actually? I have no idea, but you I'd know, love to never hear it again. You know, hey, <laughs> don't make me come over there. Uh, the episode we're talking about this week is episode the rage number six. Of Caliban. The Rage of Caliban. Rage! And this episode was written by David Cerrone, one of the producers. Directed by Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall. Who Marshall, I love Marshall, from Marshall. Game of Thrones. Uh, he directed two of my all-time favorite Game of Thrones episodes of them all. Absolutely. The Blackwater episode. And then the episode that the name I always forget where the Night's Watch defends themselves against the wildlings. Yes, that one. Uh, the action packed episodes. He's really good. at. He also directed a phenomenally awesome uh, movie from England known as Dog Soldiers. If you are looking for a really good, really creative werewolf movie. Run, do not walk. Oh, really? To Dog Soldiers. I've it never is, heard of it. Ooh, it's fun. Brilliant. Dog Soldiers. Okay. Go check out Neil Marshall's work in Dog Soldiers. He also directed the pilot episode. Non-est asylum That's for right. Constantine. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome back, Neil. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to getting your check in the mail for your promotional <laughs> spot here on The Devil You Know. Speaking of promotional spots, we need to do one, Joe. We absolutely do. Hey, everybody. If you are thinking about doing a podcast, if you do a podcast now, if you want to find out more about it, check out Pro Podcast Solutions. They know what they're doing. The whole deal over there, Daryl Darnell, who runs it, is fabulous. He's the guy who runs Golden Spiral Media. We love Daryl. Absolutely. Assisted with uh, TV talk and just overall, he's the guy, one of the go-to guys for yeah. any assistance with podcasting that you might need. So check out propodcastsolutions.com and uh, tell them Tony and Joe sent you. That that won't get you anything other than a, a, a probably a shrug or a smirk, like a little eye roll. It uh, may also win you one hundred dollars. Right. Addendum: None of what Joseph Zettelmeyer just said is true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're more likely to get the eye roll. Oh, Tony and Joe, oh, those Lord. sons of bitches. Either way, go to Pro Podcast Solutions. <laughs> so, the Rage of Caliban, Joe. Let's jump into news. All right, not a ton of news this week. The first thing is, just talking about this episode in particular, the little tidbit that in case everyone watching didn't know, this episode was aired way out of order. You may have gotten suspicious when they showed all of those Halloween decorations a month after Halloween. Right. Yeah, <laughs> why are there not turkey things happening this episode? Because turkeys aren't scary. <laughs> No, the producers uh, sent out tweets and then stuff in, in their press releases and everything. Uh, and David Goyer or David Cerrone, one of them, sent out a tweet saying, hey, Hellblazers, which is what they call the Constantine fans. As I well love. they should. Uh, just a note, this episode was supposed to air right after the, the essentially the new pilot. So it right, would have been right after Zed episode. 
Yeah, right after we meet Zed, and uh, it was so it was much earlier in the production process, which I believe would have put it right around the week of or the week before Halloween. Yeah, right around there. And one of the interesting things is, I think I, I read something somewhere. Somebody, anybody else out there, feel free to call in and correct me on this. But I think they shot it before they even had Angelica Slea on board. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. So they did the first, the original pilot, which then they reshot some of the episodes or some of the scenes to explain Liv going away. Then they shot the new pilot. Uh, no, uh, then in the shooting order, they wound up shooting this, this episode, one yep. because they didn't have Zed yet. And then when they got her, they went and shot and got the first one in. And then the way they wound up airing them uh, was to try and hook people in and get more Zed stuff going early. Right. So they aired them without this one in there. Uh, so that's just an interesting little tidbit and explains a few things about what made the episode a little different than the last couple we've had. Yeah, and it actually made a lot of sense to me as I was – because this one felt very much like one of the – the feel of the earlier episodes. It was the, a little more procedural. A little more procedural, yeah. a little less – a little less connection to the comics. Um, <laughs> but that being said, um, we'll talk more about this of course, when we get absolutely. there. But there were some cool things that I did like about this Me episode. too. Other things in the news. Joe. Obviously, the big thing we have to talk about is save Constantine. Hashtag save Constantine. We, the, let us, first off, I'd like to say I do not think there's reason to panic yet. I think cutting the series to a 13-episode season is not the end of the world. No, there are a and lot of good many shows ways, that are 13 episodes or so right around there. Exactly. You guys have heard me rave about uh, Hannibal many, many, many times. Hannibal is a 13-episode series, and you know what? It is focused, it is tight, it is lean, and I think the same thing could happen to Constantine. Sure. And I think, in a really good way, I think it could really help the series as it kind of focuses in on what stories they're trying to tell and moving that particular storyline for, forward, and particularly the stuff about the rising darkness. Uh, one of the things I liked about this episode is we got to see a little bit more of that. Agreed. And that being said... If you want to see Constantine come back for a second season, and dear God, why wouldn't you? Right? What kind of monster are you if, if you don't want no to see a second season? no other reason that you could keep joining us for the podcast. Right? If the show gets canceled, let's still do this. Oh, yeah. We'll make up episodes. <laughs> that would be fun. I can't believe they got Arnold Schwarzenegger for this episode. He Unbelievable. So, <laughs> so in order to stop us from having to do that, <laughs> um, share with your friends how great the show is. Watch it, DVR it. And also, yeah, you can check out if you're on Twitter or I think probably Facebook, too, is the hashtag Save Constantine movement. And it's basically a bunch of people letting NBC know we really like it and would like season two. And NBC wants to hear that. They're still promoting the show. NBC still believes in the show. Yeah, their NBC executives were tweeting, it's not canceled. We just haven't renewed it for season two yet. Right. But it's not canceled. And so they're really waiting to see what the ratings are for the next few episodes before they make that decision. And I think it's very telling that, you know, after the, the, why am I forgetting the word? After the premiere pilot, pilot, after the pilot, the numbers dipped. But since that happened, every episode has gained more viewers 
to the point where we're we're spitting distance from the numbers we were pulling on the pilot episode. And it's still the ratings are at or better than Hannibal, than Hannibal right? Which they are bringing back. Right. So there's a lot of hope for it, and which I think is a great thing. Uh, and so let's hope that they get the message. Let's keep our demonic fingers crossed. Also, Joe, just to correct a little thing you said, this week, actually, uh, ratings went down, but it was Thanksgiving weekend, and they were down a little bit, but we still had 3.2 million viewers or something, and even uh, David Cerrone, the producer, tweeted, he said, we knew Thanksgiving ratings would drop all networks down 20 to 30%. Keep watching Save Constantine. So, yeah, we knew they would go down a little bit. It's Thanksgiving, and uh, that's okay. So uh, hopefully they will go back up. I am predicting that this week coming will be big. And if we see any updates to the ratings like the DVR or the plus threes or any of those kind of changes that show a big uptick in the ratings, we will post something so pay attention to con- at Constantine GSM as well as Facebook.com slash groups slash the devil, the devil you know. know. The devil you know. The My prediction is know. that this week's episode. I'm just going to go with this all day. This is, this is what happens when we podcast while Tony is drinking. The devil you know. <laughs> the devil you know. He's not drinking. That was a lie. <laughs> um, my prediction for the numbers this week is a 12.7. That's that's what I think. Awfully <laughs> bold of you, Joe. <laughs> Three times what they had for the pilot episode right. is what I'm predicting. <laughs> yeah, the people who are making Game of Thrones are like, <laughs> we would look at 12.7. Are you kidding? What has Matt Ryan got going on? Literally, David Goyer has sold his soul to the devil <laughs> to get us that rate the review. That would be great. <laughs> so let's wrap up news and move into episode discussions. 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 Why is it like somewhere like that? It's we're almost the Adams family with that little song. It's close, yeah. Yep. It is close. <laughs> so, Joe, the Rage of Caliban. The Rage of Caliban. What kind of rating did you give it? Uh, this week, I'm going to give this episode a 7.5 or an 8 zombie scarecrow costumes. <laughs> now, wait a minute. You can't. It's 7.5 or 8. Pick one. Pick one. We're not messing I'm, around here at the devil, you know. I'm going to give it a 7.5. I liked it, but it did not wow me as much as previous episodes did. I y- agree. I am also going with 7.5. I'm giving it 7.5 three-legged deer. <laughs> <laughs> Just because. Uh, yeah. 7.5. Because here's the thing. I did not dislike this episode. No, nor did I. I did not like it as much as I've liked the last two or three. And that's that's very much it. Now that we're you know, we're all aware that this episode was shot out of order or was played out of order, it really feels like that. This episode to me felt like the beginning of the season. And since honestly, really since the first introduction of Papa Midnight, the show has taken on a much darker tone. Yay. And a much more homage to the comic tone. Right. And yeah, uh, feeling like the comic much more absolutely. than feeling like sort of a supernatural Matlock. Right. And that's that this episode felt like supernatural Matlock to me. A little bit. But um, it also I, I do think, I have to say that if this episode had aired earlier, I would have liked it more than a couple of the early episodes. I would have too. I would have too, just for you know, some of the heebie jeebies. 
uh, of it. There was, you know, a surprise twist at the end that I legitimately did not see coming. Mm-hmm. There were moments that I really enjoyed. It's just, boy, it's hard to top the Spectre reveal of last week. Sure. I mean, that, first off, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Karen, for filling in last week. Last week, I was in a, a new play conference in Florida and was unable to participate. Uh, I am yes, so glad to be and back. Karen was wonderful. We loved having her. We're going to let her fill in for us whenever. She's great. Don't get any big ideas, Karen. This seat belongs to me. The devil you know. The devil you know. I'm teasing, Karen. You rock. Um, it, I cannot tell you how much it kills me that I did not get to podcast on the episode that revealed the Spectre. Yes, and who is one we of my all-time made favorite. fun of you a little bit during the podcast, but it was fun. Yeah, it was the Spectre fun. is one of my all-time favorite DC characters, and I was legitimately floored at how much of a Spectre reveal we got. I didn't think we'd see anything like that until possibly the last episode of the season. Right, that was pretty cool. I screamed like a little girl. Yes. So let's back up and take it from the beginning of this episode. So at the very beginning, a very good place to start. We're at the Cooper home. Things have gone badly for the Coopers. Now, I have to say that uh, this episode, um, I I want more Neil Marshall later in the season now, you know, because he did uh, the, the first one and then he did this one. And I really like that opening shot sort of panning through the house to reveal the 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 destroyed chimney and the brickwork and the blood and yep. the people in the, the ceiling. Yep. And, uh, that was pretty sweet. And that's something Neil Marshall's really, really skilled at, uh, is episodes that really focus on the visual violence type stuff. He's so good at that stuff. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And yeah, what a great way to start. We get to see that this little girl possessed traumatized at this point we don't know something there's something bad happening it was interesting i don't know if anybody watches or watched the show fringe but watching the little girl sort of cower against the wall there took me right back to an episode of fringe where olivia the young the woman in that right. when she was a young girl uh, had these powers that manifest themselves and there was a great shot of her in the corner of a room and the whole rest of the room was charred she had just pyrokinetically blown it up <laughs> and that little cowering against the wall took me right back to that show too which right. i thought was cool but and shortly after we see what has happened to the cooper house we find our pal john constantine naked in bed yes naked 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 with a woman who is not his girlfriend nope and he is not her boyfriend nope. and her boyfriend is knocking on the door hey honey are you in but he was so proud of himself he got her name right yes that was great we're all very proud of you john and i love you have a boyfriend you didn't you didn't mention that yes i, I did it. you didn't care you were drunk <laughs> whatever it was yeah uh-huh out, and the classic out the window running down the that driveway putting your uh, pants on i mean I, that was fun it's a well we've gone to before, but I don't get sick of it. <laughs> Always funny. And we find out that John can apparently cook a killer breakfast, which we there very shortly thereafter see him eating. Yeah. So yeah, he goes back to the Jasper's home for the weird and spooky. And we get some great stuff with he and Chaz. One of my favorite things about this episode is we finally get a bit of a spotlight on Chaz, who I love. I love the actor playing him. I think he's a potentially really great character, and I have felt his absence in the series up to this point. I've always wanted more Chaz. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing them mess around. Yep. Seeing them uh, poke each other a little bit, you know, tease each other. Uh, and then the fun... There, I also, because I love 
Jasper's place. Yes. I love, they're just poking around. Thank God all this stuff's here. What do we need? I need frankincense. He's, <laughs> he's like wandering through the mall trying to find stuff. But Jazz picks up the Sword of Night. Now, that doesn't happen yet, but we can we can talk about it now if you want. All right, go ahead. Uh, what happened right. before that? Uh, well, right at the beginning, we're still talking about uh, he's trying to get Constantine to get back on the wagon and start picking out places for them to visit. Oh, yes. And he decides to go with Alabama. Which, again, I, it was a little moment of joy for me, having gone to school in Rome, Georgia, where uh, Jasper's home for the Spook and Weirdy is. Um, spooky and Weird. There it is. <laughs> spook and Weirdy is better. I do kind of like that better myself. <laughs> uh, they talk about how Alabama's only about a two-hour drive, which is absolutely, if that is indeed where they are in Georgia, that's about right. So I was, I was pleased. Are you going to tell us about how you visited the mill again so crazy story <laughs> no i won't tell you you already know so then they pick up the sword i'm skipping to that part because i just, liked it he did that's totally fine it's totally fine <laughs> tony you're a kid like you're a kid at christmas eve tell him about the sword it was just fun i loved jazz picks it up and immediately starts hey what's this do wow i told you about it not that you listen you never listen <laughs> i feel like that's probably what drove away my wife I still feel bad about that. <laughs> John looks over at him and realizes what's going on, just takes it away from him. And then John says, and it was great because it looked like he totally meant it, but it was awkward. John says, you know, if there's anything you want to talk about, whatever. And Jess is just like, ah, I'm good. Nope. Nope. Walking away. Not going to touch the sword. Right. And also, I can imagine few worse confidants than John Constantine. <laughs> right. Here, hold this. It compels you to tell the truth. I'm awful at keeping secrets. <laughs> so bad. No, that was very fun. And uh, so, Joe, tell us a little bit about where that sword came from. Do you want to talk about it now or in Myth and Myth Adventures? Uh, let's save it for Myth Adventures. Here we go. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. The devil you know. The devil you know. I'm gonna, oh, from now on, yep. I'm singing that. I don't what, care. Can we make a new promo that's just us doing that? Absolutely. That'll come up next. So they decide where they're going. They head out to go do it. And, of course, via the magic of TV, they wind up right at the Cooper house. What What luck. Right. Well, I think that they'd, they'd already looked up. They'd done their research. Yeah. And Chaz yeah. says, you know, the double homicide, blah, blah, blah. So they, they did their police scannery thing to find stuff out. Uh, and when they get there, uh, we have this great moment of Constantine sniffing the air, you know, oh, and when he licked the ectoplasm. And he licked the door jam. Oh. <laughs> His his reaction to that licking told us everything we needed to know. Right? I just thought, yeah, next time I'm out looking for stuff. <laughs> just going to lick a wall. Yeah. I, I actually decided the exact opposite. I was like, <laughs> things to avoid. Let's see. Everyone who walks by here puts their hand here. I'm not going to lick this. I mean, is that like maybe a standard <laughs> thing with home inspections now? I mean, they didn't do it when I bought my house, but maybe. Right. Who knows? A new thing now. Just all the inspectors. Well, the, the, the foundation looks good. Let's <laughs> just lick the wall real quick. <laughs> so we're in the house and he's effectively smelled and licked everything he can. <laughs> and then Manny shows up. Right. And again, I thought really good use of Manny this episode. Agreed. I uh, loved seeing those wings again. We haven't seen the wings in a while. Yeah. Uh, those were pretty neat. 
And I love that in this episode, we got a little more info and background on Manny. Finally. I have yeah. been waiting for this. And That's it, they what I finally mean. explained why Manny does not get more involved when he just kind of just shows up like a parrot on John's shoulder and doesn't do crap. Right. Well, now we know why. Sure. So ever since mankind got free, free will, will, the angels aren't allowed to interfere. Womp womp. Which... I totally buy. I yep. loved it. It makes sense. I it's, It is definitely one of those things. It's like, oh, this would have been good for a like second episode. It's like, I would have loved to have known that right from the beginning. And I sure. would have been bitching about it for the last and, several episodes. And also the, the relationship between John and Chaz that we've been talking about is missing a little bit. That was set up so nicely in this episode. So you could totally see why they were going to air it when they did. Absolutely. And then you can also see the, the producers going, uh, we need to get with the new woman and get this thing going, get the relationship between John and Zed going. And, and, that feels like an NBC switching it around and going, nope, we want Angelica yeah. Saleya involved. Let's get that going. Uh, and if I, I am not sure who actually made that decision. I don't know if it, it was, was me. Oh, well, I think it was a poor one, Joe. I'm not going to lie. I think your face is a poor one. I, I accept. Well, I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> so. Manny shows up. We get a great scene with him. And then John decides to use a super cool spell. Right. Pulls out some kind of magic scroll, lights it on fire, makes some smoke, says a bunch of super cool words. One of my favorite Manny moments so far in the series, Manny just looks at him and goes, Mayan. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Just, and again, it took me right back to last episode in Dan's Voodoo where Constantine was talking about using the v- different types of magic. You got, you got to use whatever you need to use. Voodoo is just one thing. My you know? favorite, my favorite line from the last episode, jackass of all trades, right? So exactly. Good. Yeah. He's sloppy, but he gets stuff done. He knows a thing about a thing. Yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty great. And I thought the special effects and all of that with the smoke were really cool. It was one of the things I loved this whole episode. And again, People who make the show who are listening, obviously, because you clearly are. The more spellcraft we see, the happier I am. Uh, I just really like the way you guys are doing it. I love the way it looks. I love the way Matt Ryan delivers in the spellcasting. I just think it's cool as hell. Yeah. And I'd love to see more. I agree. I agree. I also think, just to back that up, one of the things that I missed this episode was... John being a con man. Yeah. I mean, we get a little bit of it, but he bails really quickly on his con. Yes. Yeah. And that comes in a little bit later. But I love that he's actually good at that. Yep. And this episode did not set that up very well. No, not as much as I'd like. Not as much as we've seen it in uh, other episodes. Right. But again, that's okay. We knew it was Mm -hmm. filmed early, aired out of order. So after the super cool smoke effect, uh, we also get to find out where the spirit went. The right. spirit that had been possessing the girl. Because it turns out she ain't possessed no more. Right. It's done its duty at her house. Yep. It has, you know, punished murdered, her murdered, parents. Murdered. Right. And now it's off to find someone else to inhabit. And it finds a young boy, young Henry. Oh, Henry, poor Henry. <laughs> this is going to be a hard episode for you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It was. Henry's dad and mom uh, are nice parents. His dad doesn't... A little violent, a little... He doesn't turn it against his son, but uh, boy, he's got a temper. Yep. And also, you know, is on the tough love side of things as far as suck it up. You know, you're stronger than you think you are. You got to deal with it. Let's go. There's no monster in your closet. There's just a terrifying, unnecessarily creepy <laughs> costume that I bought you for Halloween. He just throws it on the bed. Oh, my God. Right? 
<laughs> Even the mother was like, uh, Daryl, what the, what the, what right? are you doing? We call this monster future therapy bills. <laughs> so we get to see that Henry, of course, is the one who gets possessed. Right. And so then it becomes, you know, the question of, and how does Constantine going to save this? How's he going to figure it out? And how's he going to solve this? Well, and they've already started to piece together that these killings have been going on for, I want to say, 25 years, give or take. Yep. And it's always different people. It's always different families, which and it, it, it happens over the course of years, not over the course of, you know, of several days, which is why no one's been able to put it together. And their uh, assumption is that the rising darkness that's coming is Has amped everything up. Yep. And everything's sped up a little bit. And so all of a sudden, what had been happening every few years is happening several times in a few weeks. Right. And John gets all of this information from a lady that he had helped in a previous encounter, putting her dead husband back to rest. Uh, we didn't get her name. I think it was Connie McExposition. <laughs> <laughs> Why, well, she got to be Irish? <laughs> because the, wh- th- that character I thought was very like, oh, oh. served. No, it's, it, it was a straight up. It's one of the things I talk, talk to my students about all the time. It is a functionary character. She exists only to move the story forward. And that's very it. much like, and coming in on the convenience train, <laughs> Connie McExposition. Hey, what's in your briefcase? Here's everything we need to keep moving forward. Thanks, Connie. We'll catch you later. And she's out. (laughs) Never to be seen again. So he figures out what the deal is. He's out and he goes to investigate the one guy who survived the first killing. Right. Right. That 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 meeting does not go as well as it could. No. So much as the guy is in a vegetative state. Right. Yeah, he I and I really liked that Constantine talks to Marcelo a little bit and then realizes, oh, no, there's no there's no point in doing this. And so sort of puts him out of his mind for a while. And as do I. I'm like, oh, well, that was a dead end. No, you know, we're, we're used to Constantine's plans not necessarily going as planned initially. So much like, you know, previous episodes, I was like, well, that's the end of Marcelo. Yes. So he goes back, is talking with Jazz, and they discover, here's what we need to do is follow the ley lines. The ley lines, we'll talk more about those later. I think I have that in the right order. It's close anyway. It's close. (laughs) Um, But I did like that, again, the map kind of comes in handy, but we get to see them do some more figuring. Yep. Like, uh, just again, a little bit of acknowledgement that they do, they are okay what they do, Mm -hmm. you know. And that they've discovered these uh, mystical uh, geological patterns, these ley lines, and they discover that this spirit is following one of those ley lines. And that's how they're able to determine who where, who the spirit has gone to next. Yes. Which brings us back to the town. They decide to go searching and are walking around with a little frankincense. And you can see that Chaz is not maybe the most comfortable thing. Right. I feel like people are looking at us, John. How long are we going to do this? <laughs> Constantine swinging a thurible around. Frankincense. Could not care less that anybody is looking at them. And then we got a super cool smoke effect. It was very neat. And my favorite part of it was that it went the exact opposite direction. Yes. Chaz was like, hey, that's where we go. Constantine's, nope. nope. Frankincense runs away from evil demons. We have to go over here. And sure enough, there's the house. Unlike Frankenstein. Right, which runs really away from fire. Right. Uh, 
my favorite con that doesn't work so oh, far in the show. So bad. I, I like so I said earlier, bad. I wanted more of him being good at being a con man. And this just felt like, oh, that's completely the wrong way. But it was funny. Was he shows up as the school counselor oh. and... He, he sort of looked a little... Oh, I thought he was going to ask for a moment of their time to talk about Jesus. Right. That's what it felt like a little bit. Well, I, but I, even before that, I love that Chas initially suggests that they talk to the to the parents about the kid. And Gonzalez <laughs> like, never works. That never works. Don't do that. Hi, I'm here to speak works. to you about your possessed child. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can see why that won't work. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was funny. So he goes in. He tries to con his way in as the new school counselor. Right. This is after uh, Henry has an incident on a playground. Uh, that goes real, real bad. Yeah. Real, real bad. Uh, well, and it's interesting because we're jumping around a little bit, sorry, today, but that's another moment where he was not good at being a con man. Terrible. If, if you're trying to solve something and scope something and the teacher says, do you have a child at the school? Uh, say yes. Turn around. Right. Right. Instead, he he says no, and the teacher immediately becomes super more suspicious. There was a part of it. It's like, what kind of teacher is this? He can't turn around for one second to make sure the kids are okay. I mean, the guy right. is making a big deal about this. Yeah. And it turns out the kids are not all right. No, Henry has decided to. Uh, well, Henry, Henry, being bothered by the demon inside him, the right. spirit inside him, has decided to use a merry-go-round as a blunt instrument. Yep. Constantine has now decided it's time to intervene and goes to the parents in the worst disguise ever, which is literally his disguise is to just take off his trench coat and push his tie up higher. Yeah, so that looks ridiculously short. <laughs> the entire disguise. Which was great. And once he gets caught, I love that he just sort of mumbles, I told Chess this wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as funny as it was, I was like, you should be better at this. You really should be. <laughs> Although he does make acknowledgement to the fact that six months in an insane asylum has made him really bad at this. Yes, you they, you're the right. the impression that he was at one point better at this than he is now. He's just a little rusty. Yes, and we see that progression in later episodes. We do. So, yeah, absolutely. So, Daryl, the dad, is you know, good at confrontation and rather than just kick him out, punches him and calls the police and right. knocks him unconscious. He gets arrested. He's in prison. Manny comes to visit again. He sure does. And we learn a little bit more and John gets his shoes thrown up on. And there's a neat moment that I like with John and Manny where Manny does. He's like, how do you know that I'm not the one who was there when your dad put the cigarettes out on you? Yeah. How do you know I'm not the one there who was there when you tried to commit suicide? Yeah. And it does kind of call into question, how long has Manny been a part of this? In that little section, we got a nice little bit of background on John, too. Yes, we did. Because Manny said, I was there when you considered suicide when your sister left you alone with him. Yep. Which is just another part of the story that you go, oh, I hope we get more of that. Yes, me too. Because John's reaction to all of that was wonderful, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But I loved Manny in this episode. Yep. So what happens when we get out of the prison, Joe? I believe it's Halloween time. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy, happy Halloween, Silver Shamrock. Five points to anybody who gets that. Singing. Tony does not get five points because he did not get that. It is an obscure Halloween reference, and I hope at least one of the listeners, Voodoo Shaman, I'm looking at you, Gets the reference that I just made. It's Bayou Shaman. You just failed. He's not calling you now. I'm the worst. I'm so sorry, Bayou Shaman. It's because I just watched Dance Voodoo and squealed like a 
five-year-old when <laughs> they did the Spectre reveal. It was so awesome. <laughs> so Constantine gets his shoes thrown up on. And meanwhile, back at Henry's place, um, some confrontation between Henry, Mom, and Dad about the playground accident. Yep. And Henry uh, seems to be acting a little out of sorts. We're starting to pick up on the fact that Henry's internal spirit problem seems to manifest during points of heightened stress and conflict within the family. Yep. And his mother picks up on this is not normal for him. Yep. And she has a change of heart. She goes back to Constantine and bails him out and says, okay, how do we fix this? Well, and Constantine makes an interesting point when he's talking to her that I really liked. He talks about dealing with possessing spirits and explains that children's spirits are the worst. Because they they don't understand what's happened and they throw tantrums just like children throw tantrums. The problem being that they are now supernatural entities and when they throw tantrums, things tend to go really, really badly. Yes. And I love that he's really scarred by everything that happened at Newcastle. Absolutely. Does not want to perform an exorcism on the kid. Flat out tells her, you don't want an exorcism. Yeah. And Chaz is there too and he's discussing this and you can see Chaz had the look on his face of concern Chaz knows that John's in a little bit of a state himself, which I thought was great. So they decide through the magic of research that what they've got to do is go back to the place where it first started. Right. To bind the spirit to that place rather than do a straight exorcism because John's afraid of what happened to Astra. Yeah, he's got a little post-traumatic stress disorder with it. Yep. So they go there. They hold a seance. Up shows the three-legged deer. Bam, bam, bam. I don't know. There was something about the three-legged deer. I was like, this means something. This has got to be a symbol for something. Why is it a three-legged deer? I don't know. Anybody out there got an idea? Let us know. We'd love to hear. I don't know. Me neither. But I know that it wasn't what they were looking for. No. And it gets all the the more nerve-wracking because there's a ticking time clock on this one because the mother has given Henry a sedative and they're trying to perform this this, uh, spiritual binding while Henry is uh, unconscious. And they know that he's not going to stay unconscious for long. And turns out they're super right. Yeah, they show up back at the house just as he's waking up. His dad gets really upset that the mom went to Constantine. Some fighting starts, and then Henry's demon goes full-out demon. Yep. And flings a chair and some stuff at his father, and uh, Constantine does a little magic voodoo on a mirror yes turns it into a super reflecty i'm rubber your glue it bounces off me and sticks to you shieldy thing that's what that is officially called yeah i i think that's what he was saying in in latin (laughs) it was in latin but that's what he said and (laughs) thank goodness that the kid has decided to put on his unnecessarily scary halloween costume you're really bothered by the costume who gets their kid that costume (laughs) no wonder he's possessed Look at the thing. It's a zombie scarecrow. It's a zombie scarecrow. And really, really well done zombie scarecrow. So the zombie scarecrow runs out of the house. They follow him into how convenient. It's Halloween night and there's a super cool carnival going on. Right. A little haunted house thing. And again, I am a longtime Halloween fan. I have been going to haunted houses and various Halloween attractions for as long as I can remember. And I'm always looking for the biggest, newest scare. Yep. Where on earth does anyone have a a haunted house like that one? Right? Good Lord. That was pretty cool. I mean, it was awesome. I'd love to go to one that's that's that graphic and scary. Yes. But they're not usually that graphic and scary. Yeah, well, who knows? The Wall of Skulls I was particularly fond of because 
It's a reference to one of the Constantine comic book covers. Yes, and it was a very cool picture. It was actually a look that I knew I'd seen, so I did a little poking around, and it turns out that was a reference directly to some of the Hellblazer artwork by Sean Phillips. So there you go. And they've got, yeah, we've got uh, Matt Ryan standing up against the spooky skull wall, just like in the comic. Great lighting and all that. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. No, that whole, I really liked that whole set. I thought it was very fun. Oh, man. Kudos to whoever built that one. It was awesome. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, he's figured out that the boy is Marcelo's spirit. Yep. He took him a little bit, but he's finally figured out that the reason. And it's when he sees the boy holding the axe. Yep. Yep. He figures out the reason that. Marcelo's catatonic is because the events he was driven by abuse to murder his parents for FYI his parents chopped off his fingers yeah as punishment his parents were not nice people nope. and so he did not have the best role models and nope. when all of this went down it was so horrifying to him that his spirit literally fled his body yep and wandered around occasionally inhabiting a young child and killing its parents yep so constantine figures this out and has to do his uh exorcism via uh, the naming yes because his magic mirror has been smashed by one of the jumpy outy scary monster things in the uh, haunted house which he then just punches just punches it i love that constantine manages to Expel the spirit, send it back to its rightful place. Yes. And we see the adult Marcelo going nuts at his insane asylum. Right. Uh, and the, getting the best violent. That, right. And the best that Constantine could say is like, well, at least he's under lock and key. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not a perfect solution, but at least he's somewhere where he can't hurt anybody. Sure. And that's sort of classic Constantine. You know, yep. nobody else is going to get hurt. I took care of de- demonic stuff. This guy's got problems. That's not my issue. Right. A really terrific final moment to the episode, which was interesting because it felt early episode-ish in that there was a little voiceover yeah. at the end, and I'm summing up, but it was sort of a, now I'm going to have to keep figuring out what's going on with the rising darkness, but overall, this was a good day because he solved his problems. And then he kicks back, and I think, right? That's mm-hmm. what he says. He's sitting on a car. He's sitting on, I think, Chaz's truck. Yep. And he's smoking. He lights up a cigarette. He's smoking. I liked that a lot because I think had this episode aired when it was supposed to, when it was meant to, a lot of the online crabbing about why is he not smoking would have been quelled a little. Right. And we've already seen so much of it. Like what I think it's going to boil down to is, as you know, let's clean it up. As long as we don't see him inhale. Right. We're no, good. That's absolutely it. And if that's what the networks are going to draw the line at, there's plenty of room for that to work in the comics. Yep, I agree. As long as I know that he's smoking, I'm happy. Yeah, because God, that as sounds it sounds awful. I don't. <sighs> yeah, no, but that's a big part of the character. It's exactly. It's an. It's honoring who the character is, and hopefully, I'd right. Let... I mean, you can't do Scooby Doo, and there's no Scooby snacks, right? You know, you could, but no one would buy that it was actually Scooby-Doo. Right. So Constantine 
John smokes. He sure does. A lot. One of his major storylines deals with the repercussions of that. And that's what we saw uh, last week or the week before when one of the producers tweeted about that and literally said, of course he smokes. How else are we going to do the Dangerous Habits storyline? Oh, please. Which is another reason for us to hope to get to season two. Or season three, four, five. Right? Exactly. Yes. No, that would be great. So overall, not a bad episode, not the best episode. No. But... A solid seven point five, mm-hmm. with some cool moments that really make me want to see what happens next week. Me too. If there's no other episode discussion show, let's go to Myth Adventures. Why don't we? And now it's time for Myth Adventures, the part of the show where we pretend we know stuff. Uh, 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 Master of the dark arts. Uh, uh, um, Master of the dark arts. <laughs> The devil you know. Devil you know. Joe, what do we got for Myth Adventures this week? Well, we've got a couple things. The first thing I want to talk about, we discussed it a little bit in the episode already, but I think it's worth noting, is the Sword of Night. The Sword of Night, the uh, awesome looking magical sword that Chaz held and started spilling all his secrets. The Sword of Night is a DC comic staple for the character the Nightmaster, uh, who has been involved in various supernatural adventures throughout many, many, many years. Man, it's so funny. As much as I love DC Comics, I- I'm not familiar with the Nightmaster. I mean, you know, I, I know uh, of him, but I couldn't tell you his history. I know that he had something to do with rock and roll. That's what I know. The only thing I rem- I believe I remember reading him, and again, I am not the biggest DC fan in the world, but I did read the Day of Judgment storyline because it was the return of Hal Jordan as the Spectre, and Hal Jordan is a favorite character of mine. Sure, absolutely. And I believe Nightmaster showed up in those. That's lo- that's where I'm used to seeing Nightmasters, like that group of supernatural heroes like the Enchantress and Blue Devil. Yes. And I believe Nightmaster is among that group as well. Okay, interesting. Uh, the Nightmaster's sword, the Sword of Night, has a few effects. One of the effects is it surrounds you in a field that stops your aging. So as long as you've got the sword, you remain more or less immortal. It also makes you tell the truth. So yeah, it was it was kind of a nod back to like the Helmet of Fate as well, where it's like, we've got these objects that are connected to major DC heroes. Right. Let's see. Or oh, minor ones. I was going to say, I'm not sure we'd really call Nightmaster right. a major hero. <laughs> I would say Dr. Fate is a major hero oh, in yes. DC Comics. He's a big yeah, one. Absolutely. So I'm but I love that Jasper's has a bunch of these little connections to the DC supernatural world. Absolutely. Which is really fun. What else happened uh, that we were going to talk about for Well, there's a Myth few things that I wanted to talk about. We also have the ley lines that they refer to in yes. the episode. Ley lines, uh, the, that phrase was originally coined, I'm pulling up my little notes right now so I can take a look at it, uh, in 1921 by an amateur archaeologist. Uh, named uh, Alfred Watkins, created the idea. I'm just going to read it right off of my notes because it was really nice. Supposed alignments of numerous places of geographical and historical interest, such as ancient monuments and megaliths, natural ridge tops, and waterfords. It's the idea that there are geographic lines running across the world that that something about them has... This is where you build important things like Stonehenge, like ancient temples, that they're all connected on these geographical lines. It wasn't until later, it wasn't until 1969 in a book called The View Over Atlantis by writer John Mitchell, uh, that he went back to the phrase ley lines and kind of imbued on them a supernatural element, which is how most people still think of them to this day. 
the idea that these the reason that these things are all connected is it's some sort of natural supernatural force, something that's part of the earth like druidic magic that connects all of these places along think of it like the mystical equivalent of longitude and latitude right right it's basically a place where the power of the supernatural is strongest right. it's, it's a conduit for those exactly and the closer and the, you get to them the more power you're getting exactly and if you if you want to perform magic along a ley line if you want to build something magical along a ley line that it's going to be more powerful than if you were to do it in other places so it doesn't have anything to do with those hawaiian necklaces spelled differently See, I thought for sure that's what it was about. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thank you, Joe. Excellent myth adventures this week. Why, thank you. Dee, 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 dee. The devil you know. Quotes of the week. The devil you know. Quotes of the week. The devil you know. These are the quotes. The devil you know. That we really like. The devil you know. Quotes of the week. Uh, any favorite quotes of the week, Joe? My personal favorite quote. It was such a simple line, but it just made me laugh. Is when John is arguing with the teacher. Yes. Who refuses to turn around and pay attention to the children that are about to be destroyed. And the teacher says to him, hey, what's in, what's in that trench coat, mister? And John's response is, I am. <laughs> just made me laugh. I loved, I told Chess this wasn't going to work. <laughs> I thought that was great. Not just because... It, of John saying it, but because in my head, I immediately pictured Chas and John out on the sidewalk <laughs> plot going through six or seven different versions. And finally, like, this is the one Chas going, come on, it'll be fine. Go, just go. No, come on. Pull your tie up. It's fine. Go. <laughs> I'll just take your coat. Right. <laughs> just the, what it implied was really funny to me. So I loved that. Good old Chas, who this episode was the meat in a car sandwich. I want to ask you about that, too. Chas was the meat in a car sandwich. Did we see him after that? Nope. I love that. <laughs> I'll be fine. How many people can say that after being pinned between two cars? <laughs> Go on. I'll be fine. That's one of the things that <laughs> you know there's a Chaz-centric episode coming up. Please. Where we be. get to learn about this. There had better be. Right. Because we're right getting to the point where I'm like, oh, geez, is this the episode where Chaz dies again? You know, <laughs> I hope that happens soon because I love that it happens. I want to find out what the deal is now. Yep. We're six episodes in. Now it's time. Complete agreement. <laughs> and what I'm hoping for, if the previews for next week's episode are right, we're finally going to get some long needed Manny time. Yes. Uh, I need to know more about what is going on with Manny. He's a bad guy. I'm confident of this. We shall see. Joe, let's say we get into some feedback. I love it. Feedback. Hey, what's your name? My name is John Constantine. Here's where you can reach me. Something big's on its way. All right. <laughs> yes. Now let's launch into some feedback. Alita sent us some feedback on Facebook this week that says, due to a cold I just escaped, I still sound a bit like the Crypt Keeper, so I'll pass on the audio. I do have some feedback about the show, though. Negative in general for this episode. I expect you guys will confirm this, but I'd bet money this episode is out of order from before Zed, and I can see why they held it back. Not the strongest we've seen so far. Pretty straightforward with cookie-cutter characters and moments. Nervous, perceptive mom, aggressive idiot dad, jail bailout scene. Then the one interesting part, it being a live possession instead of a ghost, didn't seem to be used to full effect. I guess, be I guess because they wanted a gotcha moment, even that attempt at symbolism with the three-legged fawn didn't come out right. 
The Sword of Truth scene was cute, but I think they need to start being careful with these artifacts. They're making up, or we're going to hit moments like, why don't they bring the sword so they could have gotten the truth out of so-and-so? Hopefully, next week, we get back to the kind of quality we've seen in the previous couple episodes. Alita, I totally agree. It would be great to see some of these artifacts come back and be useful, not just cute. Yes. Yes, it really would. Cool. Excellent. Great feedback. Thank you. I hope you're feeling better. We also got some feedback this week from our favorite shaman, Bayou Shaman. And Good to hear from you, buddy. Uh, the shaman this week said, greetings again, fellow dabblers. I was busy last week brokering a production deal for a new reality series set in the Louisiana swampland where we would take swamp thing and man thing and have them living together in a small cottage. I assure you that hilarity would ensue. Unfortunately, the network guys got scared and man thing burned them to ashes. So much for that brilliant deal. Don't worry, Tony. I'm sure Joe can explain the marvelness of it all to you. Good, because I don't know what man thing is. Man thing is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's basically a bigger, uglier swamp thing who, instead of being smart, has the power to burn people who scare him with his touch. Or people who are scared of him with his touch. Wow. Yep. I think I dated a girl like that once. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, my take on last week's episode, says Bayou Shaman, wonderfully done. Papa Midnight is better than ever, and the interaction between him and John really drove this episode for me. Absolutely agree, BS. Oh, we can't call him BS. That doesn't work. Nope. 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 <laughs> Never again. <laughs> also, more Chaz, which is always a good thing. Zed is really coming into her own as a character, and Corrigan was great. I can't wait to see more of him. And John smoked. Nine out of ten dead sister skulls for me. <laughs> also, your guest host for the podcast was delightful, and I'm considering checking out her podcast as well, but you guys are stuck with me for now. Yay, we like being stuck with you. Stick around. But do check out Karen's podcast. They do uh, Sleepy Hollow, The Witness Prophecies for Golden Spiral Media. And she and Jamie are terrific on that. That show is so good. It is. And yeah, Karen's wonderful and fun. So Joe, uh, what else did Bayou Shaman have to say? On this week's episode, John and Chas, I could just stop there and it's already a winner. Couldn't agree more. I read in an article that this was going to be the second episode originally before they decided to bring in Zed and it being Halloween themed is a good indicator. I felt the exact same way. The minute I saw the Halloween decorations, I was like, wait a minute. I think it would have worked well that way, too. Obviously, they did some editing to mention that Zed was in an art class at the beginning to cover her for her later in the broadcast. Chas in a truck and one that ugly, no cab on a t- for a two-hour drive away, licking the ectoplasm off the wall, more Manny, without trumpets, fanfare would do him well. I did love the trumpet reference. Yeah, that was <laughs> used to have a whole horn section. <laughs> <laughs> Manny's visit really does cement this more as episode two, doesn't it? Nothing uh, needed exposition that would have been handy earlier. May may Mayan smoke magic, nice touch. Yeah, I completely agreed, Bayou Shaman. That was the big thing for me is like, yeah, had I known that this was Manny's deal from the get-go, I would have had perhaps fewer issues with some of the stuff that I had later on. (laughs) It is a lore-light episode in regards to the comics, but in a lot of ways, I like these episodes just as much as the comic-heavy ones. It gives us something completely new. The creep factor in this episode was wonderful. Some good jump scares that even caught me off guard. Kids always make things scarier. As an uncle of two adorable nephews, I could not agree with you more. Another ghost story with no demons. I approve. And again, the little bits of Jasper's cabin feels like an earlier episode telling us about the place and it felt better to me. 
like John didn't know what he was like like John didn't know what he would find there instead of just knowing what he needed and finding it. It was subtle, but a noticeable thing. The inner tor- turmoil of John's fear of exercising another child was palpable and believable. Matt Ryan nailed it. Could not agree more. The ending was a little pat, but it was a, still a good twist. Uh, we ended on a smoke, as it should be. Man, we could not agree with you more on that one, buddy. Yeah, that was great. I'm going to go with 9 out of 10 chopped off fingers. Oh. <laughs> I'm angry that I did not think of chopped off fingers. That's a great one. And his quote of the week. This was a good one, too. If I need you, I'll give you a little whistle that chokes into silence. Yeah, that was actually really funny. That's a good way to know if someone needs you. A whistle choked off it. More feedback from Sylvan Air, who says we need to up our game because we missed the tweet from the writers saying that the backwards crab walking woman in Feast of Friends was an acrobat. Oh, I'll accept that challenge, Sylvan Air. Challenge you to up your game by sending in more feedback and let us know what you think about every Constantine episode. Speaking of tweets, though, there is a tweet, Joe, that we did not miss that was really cool. Uh, producer Daniel Cerrone tweeted out this week, NBC so enthusiastic about episodes seven through nine of Constantine that they're sending all three out to reviewers this week. So that's pretty sweet. And I hope that bodes well for the future. Also coming up next, um, Steph has returned with an audio feedback. What's interesting about Steph's feedback is she sent a note saying she's behind and has only seen the first couple of episodes. And so when this week's episode came out and she heard that it was supposed to be aired earlier, she watched it instead. So she hasn't seen even Feast of Friends yet. So when you hear her feedback, it turns out that someone who isn't as caught up on the show as we are, who saw the first few and then Rage of Caliban, really felt good about this episode like it fit perfectly so uh here's her feedback i just watched the rage of caliban and i absolutely loved that episode honestly i was a little worried after the first couple episodes i i enjoyed it i enjoyed both of them but um i just i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to stick through the series you know for the long haul but um i just i loved this latest episode and i love uh where the character of John is going and what they're doing with, you know, his, his, his helpers. Gabriel cracks me up the way he just like pops in and scares Constantine and he's trying to help, but you know, kind of guidance with an attitude, which I love. And I'm very interested to see all the new demons and the evils that are going to pop up. Um, in Constantine's life and just how he deals with that. I think the writers and developers are doing a very good job with looking forward and how they're going to make the series work overall. So I can't wait for the next few weeks and for more podcasts. Thanks. Great feedback, Steph. Thank you. And I hope you get caught up on the show and join us next week. One final feedback from Wit who says, Constantine is easily the best freshman series of 2014, and this week's episode proves why. John was endearing, entertaining, and all-around awesome in this episode. Constantine is equal parts comic book, epic, equal parts supernatural suspense thriller. 
The show can make you laugh hysterically and then make you jump out of your seat in fear 20 seconds later. This show needs and deserves a second season. We need to hashtag save Constantine. I totally agree, Wit, and let's hope people are using that hashtag save Constantine and letting NBC know we want season two. So that about does it for this week, Joe. We want to remind everybody, please, if you are enjoying this, uh, go to iTunes. Leave us an iTunes review if you're having a good time. We'd appreciate that. It helps keep the podcast out in people's faces and getting more and more listeners. And also, join us. We would love to get feedback from you. You can go to www.goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback and use the SpeakPipe widget there to speak your feedback at us and we will play it on the podcast. We love it when that happens. We really do. You can also feel free to send us tweets at at Constantine GSM and join us on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash group slash the devil you know. Join us for stuff. Let us know what you think of each episode of Constantine and of the podcast. Do you want more or less of something? Let us know. If you want less of us, too bad. Well, I could arrange less of Joe. Pretty pretty straightforward. That's uh, We got a sub waiting in the wings. Damnation. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> what? Thanks so much, everybody, for being here. We really appreciate it. Join us next week. Uh, it looks like a great episode. And remember, tell all your friends to watch. Let's make sure these ratings get up. Save Constantine. Bye-bye. Good to be back, and I'll see you next week. Hey, Travis. Yes, Corey. Let's take a break from triple casting and have a chat. Okay. What's on your mind? Are you excited for the new Flash TV series? I sure am. You know what I love about watching my favorite genre shows? What's that? Listening to a great Golden Spiral Media podcast and joining in on the community. Me too. And Golden Spiral Media has so many new podcasts like their Flash podcast, Central City Underground. And that's not all. They have podcasts for Arrow, Extant, Under the Dome and more. They even have a show dedicated to a rewatch of Lost. And don't forget Daryl's show, Stuff I Learned Yesterday, an inspirational show about daily life lessons. And of course, there's our show, Triplecast, where we discuss a series of three movies with a common thread. That's right, Travis. I guess this means that listeners should subscribe to our all-inclusive feed so they can stay up to date with all the great podcasts from Golden Spiral Media. Yes, and give us feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com forward slash feedback. Follow us on Twitter at GSM Podcasts, like us on Facebook, or call 304-837-2278. All right, Travis, let's get back to talking about movies. That's so swell.